Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and these are Daniel Howitt's interviews with the star from The Magician's Elephant, Noah Jupe, director Wendy Rogers, producer Julia Pistor, and author Kate DiCamillo. One question. Careful. My sister. How do I find her? Follow the magician's elephant. (gasps) My sister lives, and I need to follow an elephant. There are no elephants. I have one final trick. And now, the elephant! (laughs) This elephant will lead me to my sister. I must ask you to give her to me. What if Peter does a series of impossible things? He gets the elephant! It is my destiny. Noah, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm a big fan. I'm I'm, I'm glad you... uh, Thanks thanks for making time so we could talk about the magician's elephant. Thanks, So. So you've been working so consistently for for so many years already, but unless I'm mistaken, I believe this is your first voiceover role. What was the biggest learning curve for you in kind of a, a different sort of acting challenge? Yeah, it's um, it was really interesting for me um, to to have this experience because it is it's so it's way different uh, to to like you know acting uh, on screen. Um, to to doing the voiceover is is a is a really different experience. It's it's kind of, you know, you really have to focus a lot more on your voice. You have to give it a lot more energy, a lot more kind of rhythm and and uh, and emotion. Like it, it's and so I kind of underestimated it. If I'm completely honest, I was like, oh yes, animation easy, um, and ended up being being quite a challenge. So. Uh, but I'm very glad I did it because it just taught me a lot about my voice, about kind of my my acting, you know. So it was great. Yeah, tell me more. Was it was it difficult to find the voice of Peter? I, I think it's it's funny. It's kind of it feels a bit rare to hear you using your British accent. Uh, you do so many American roles. Uh, was it yeah. tough to find find the voice for Peter? Yeah, I think there was actually a conversation at the start where they were like. We, we really don't mind if you do American or British, like, you know, because there's a bunch of different accents in this in this town. So I think um, 
Um, I think we we came to the the conclusion that I should do British, which was weird for me, <laughs> if I'm completely honest, because I'm so used to acting in in an American accent. Um, but yeah, I guess finding finding Peter's voice was um, was tougher than it than it looked. Um, but it was it was great, I, you know. And um, Wendy is is just fantastic. I mean she she really really helped me and I think you know just just finding the sort of um tone and 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 adding the kind of positivity of Peter and the hopefulness and the dream of him into the voice um is is like when you say it out loud it's like how does that even work but Wendy kind of made that possible and helped me help me discover that so yeah awesome well, The Magician's Elephant is is somewhat of a classic at this point, the book. Had you read the book before coming out of the project? No, I hadn't I hadn't read the book. Um I definitely I definitely heard about it. Um I think, you know, it was like in my classroom as a kid when I was at school. Um so I'd seen it around and then but yeah, not ne- never never read it. Well, I know a lot of this was done throughout COVID. Uh, did you did you get to meet any of your co-stars or collaborators? Was was this all virtual, one hundred percent? It was one hundred percent virtual. In fact, I've I've only heard I only heard I think um, Mandy's stuff um, before I saw the trailer. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so, so, because I still haven't actually seen the movie, I'm waiting until the premiere. So, yeah, awesome. what I've heard of the other the other cast is is from the trailer, and then I heard a few scenes they they played um, of Mandy um, of Vilna, and so yeah, it was weird, you know, without um, ha- having the other actors there to kind yeah. of. Um, but honestly, it's you know again I'll mention Wendy she was there to kind of she she had been in all of the other recording sessions and she was the one that kind of was like oh you know maybe do it like this because they are going to be up here so you need to kind of meet them up there and you know I hopefully it it all kind of works together and uh, but yeah it was really interesting not having everyone there yeah this movie is really about finding hope and and pursuing the impossible uh, I know the career of an actor requires so much hope and, and the pursuit of something that might feel uh, impossible a lot of times. Uh, so just a real small, super easy question for you. Like, how do you find hope in your in your career uh, when things might feel impossible? That's a, that's a really simple <laughs> but really hard question. Um, I guess... I guess there's not like for me there's not a way to find hope. It, it it's it's more of like a like I I I don't like have a, a method of finding hope. It just kind of you you just really have to it, it's like a mindset. I I guess for me, you really have to just put yourself into that mindset um of of being hopeful and it's it's more you know, I guess in in this industry, you, you win some, you lose some, and when when you lose some, sometimes it feels pretty pretty shit. Um, and so you just kind of have to put yourself in a in a state where you're like, okay, this 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 is a good that I'm losing because it means that soon there's gonna be a there's gonna be a high note, and and I, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna come back stronger. 
Um, and you just have to sort of believe that. And I guess then hope sort of comes with that. That's super easy to say. Is it hard in practice? Oh, I mean, obviously you've had lots of success, but. It's, uh, it's way harder in practice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's possible. Well, like I said, you, you you obviously have had tons of success in your career. You've worked with so many incredible directors already, Soderbergh, Mangold, uh, and more. What what's is there any piece of direction that you've received that stands out that like you kind of carry with you that has it maybe maybe shaped how you think about acting? Really interesting. Um, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, but I did this movie called Honey Boy, um, directed by Alma Harrell, who's the most beautiful woman on the planet. Um, and she told me once, like, to, you know, basically, if, if you're acting inside, if you're feeling something inside and you are genuinely feeling it, you you don't have to do anything with your face. You could sit there completely still and people will feel it through your eyes um be able to see it you just have to kind of embody that feeling and actually genuinely feel it and then people will be able to see it um and it changes the way that you act because you know you're not like trying to be like i'm sad now you 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 actually feel sad and you could be smiling you could be laughing your head off but people will just be able to pick it up because we're so kind of empathetic as humans, we were able to sort of just read this stuff. Um, and that, you know, changes the way you sort of act, I guess. Well, I love that. That's really cool. Well, uh, one more question before I let you go. Because you've had such incredible experience, you've also, you know, worked with like George Clooney as a director, John Krasinski, these actors turned directors. Uh, you know, you're getting older, lots of career out in front of you do you think acting is your true love or, you know, could you see yourself dipping your toe in the water of directing or, or something else entirely? I think that film is my true love. So I think that wh whatever that, you know, ensues, I think I'll, I'll always be in the film industry. Even if I, you know, never get another acting job, I reckon I'll be an AD or something. I just, I just love this industry. So I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll explore you know, all the possibilities. Really cool. Awesome. Noah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you for The Magician's Elephant and best of luck. Thank you. Have a good day. The first impossible task is fight my greatest warrior. Yes! You will fly. Fly? It is impossible. Watch me. This is the best, right? My sister lives. And I will find her. Extraordinary things are possible. If you believe. Let's go! Everyone! Oh! Well, Wendy, Julie, and Kate, thank you so much for taking time to talk with me about your animated film, The Magician's Elephant. I am so excited to hear more about the production of this film. And I'll start with a question for all of you. This is each of your first films at Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. And it seems like a really unique time to be at Netflix Animation specifically. 
it seems like Netflix is giving really uh, free reign for filmmakers to make different sorts of animated films all along the way. And so I'd love to hear from each of you, what was it like putting together this project, Netflix? Um, Kate, why don't we start with you? How did, how did The Magician's Elephant land at Netflix? Well, that's a question that Julia is going to answer for you. But, uh, you know, I can only um, I'd like to just tackle this about it, which is that to me, it's so wondrous because everybody you can say to somebody it's going to be on Netflix and everybody has Netflix. So just just the thing for like for viewership, it is so exciting to me because everybody is going to be able to. I've heard from teachers who are so excited to watch the movie in the classroom and have book to to movie discussion. So the accessibility is so fantastic. But Julia, how did it get at Netflix? That's you. Uh, I well, I developed the book a long time ago when the book first came out as a live action movie at Fox. Uh, which is the sort of backstory. And it, it didn't go forward um, there as often happens in movie development. And when Netflix op- started, when, when they started their kids and family animation group, I met with them and they said, what's the project that got away? And I was, I said, it's The Magician's Elephant for sure. There's a script, the book. I love it so much. And I'm not sure anybody else would have really made it at that time um, because I think people... Uh, before Netflix and streamers came on the scene, I think people were making, you know, their own kinds of animated movies. And I think Netflix, to your point, has really lived up to wanting to make creator-driven stories where their hostile is no hostile, mm-hmm. so that they could be making our movie at the same time as that they're making Jacob and the Sea Bees, at the same time as they're making, you know, Pinocchio. And it's just completely different, different, or Mitchells versus the Machines, completely different films. And uh, it, it's been incredibly exciting. There, there's so many brilliant people here from the animation business that offer support, but they're really allowing us to make a film that that we think is the best incarnation of this story. Mm. I, I really I love that Netflix sort of celebrates diverse voices and diverse storytelling as well, and and you know yeah. the know how style style. Um, a good story is a good story. Yeah. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Absolutely. And Wendy, uh, you've had an extensive career uh, as a visual effects artist and supervisor. Uh, What made you choose The Magician's Elephant as your directorial debut? Um. Well, you know, it chose me um, because I read it and I and it captured me and I pursued it and I was not going to let anybody else help Peter find his sister. It had to be me. And then I met Julia, which was, you know, just, again, such an amazing connection that we both had with the moments that we loved from the book, the moments that really grabbed us. Um, we loved each other. We've, you know, worked and, and just an amazing partnership. Yeah. Incredible. 
and it, it was a great opportunity. Well, and Wendy's also not saying, you know, she the book really captured her heart, but she has an amazing vision. I mean, she there's nobody on the planet that that knows how to 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 actualize art in animation than Wendy Rogers. And so, for example, she's always loved clouds. When I first met her, she'd just come back from Ireland where she was photographing clouds in winter. So, I mean, I mean, there are many things <laughs> in, the, in the project that it was like, okay, this is your movie. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, Wendy and Julie, what was the biggest challenge in bringing the book to life? I know that's a little bit of a broad question, but you know, adaptations are not always one-to-one. So what was the biggest challenge in bringing this book to life? There are there are a lot of them. I mean, one of them was COVID. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think everybody says that. We made this during COVID, but I think that actually turned to be a blessing because it was kind of wonderful to work with people around the world and it was very even. We were all on the computer together. I think it's an uh, it's a complicated ensemble and ensembles are hard in movies. And how do you give everybody their time and their story and how do you braid it together so that it as in the book there's a there's a real feeling of transformation and community building in the end. And that that was hard. So lots of conversation lots of time in editorial, lots of time in editorial trying to balance that. Right? Yeah. I mean, you know, animated films uh, you know, we do a lot of iterations. We we try we get to try a lot of things in real before we actually animate. And one of the big ones was following Peter. Peter is our through line. He connects the town. He reconnects the town. And so keeping the other characters keeping him central but weaving the other characters around so that at the end the the reconnection and resurrection if you like of the town the, that is reinvigorated around his belief and his action um felt organic and edit yes a lot of time in editorial over zoom wait a minute this is Vilna story. Well, we can't forget Peter. <laughs> this is great. Isn't this an elephant? And what about the magician? He's languishing in jail. That's wonderful. And, and Kate, you've had a number of your books turned into films at this point. Did you provide any sort of guidance throughout production to help them capture the magic of your book? Uh, n- no. I, I, no one looked to me for guidance at all, but I did give them love when I saw little uh, sneak peeks here and there. I just it was enchanted with it visually when I got to, I can't remember the date on that, Julia, when we did that, when I got to see those uh, early iterations. But, um, and then um, to watch the complete thing, just deeply, deeply, deeply moving to me. Um, it's just, it's a beautiful film that does, uh, it does exactly what it talks about. It makes the impossible possible. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I wanted to, you know, uh, my time is running short here. One more question I'd love to hear from each of you. Throughout the production, uh, like Kate said, this is about making the impossible possible. This, that's the, the, and finding hope in that and working together to make that happen. So throughout the movie, I know movie, any movie is a miracle because it's so difficult to get anything made. And so um, I would love to hear some of your favorite memories about uh, teamwork on this movie and, and moments where you felt like in the production of this movie, you were making the impossible possible. Uh, Wendy, could we start with you? 
Yeah, one moment that I that I remember very particularly was a record session that we did with Benedict Wong, um, and we did many with him because we we you know had often new lines for the magician, but for the magician character. But in this one particular occasion, we were just catching him for a few hours on his way to another um, another film that he was working on, and our production team set up for him to record from the hotel he was staying in kind of in a pillow, pillow fort, right? Yeah. And it just was astounding it to me. It, it, was was a <laughs> it was astounding to me that that we could make that happen given time zones, given location changes, given like how do we record from a hotel with a pillow fort? And it all worked out beautifully. So, you know, making the impossible possible. Well, and for me, riffing off of that, because again, we had an incredible cast uh, all over the world, and we and uh, not to just keep talking about COVID, but we all went home. Everybody had, you know, their own personal anxieties. But Mandy, just we, he was the first actor that we recorded after COVID, and you know, we sent him an iPad and a microphone and headphones, and and you know, so in his cabin, he had to not just act, but he had to be the engineer. So he's sort of like, all right, wait a minute, and then you know, like testing, testing, and then you get into character, and, and but everyone was so incredibly gracious and kind about it. Like no, none of the stress came through, and I'd say that. I'm going to cheat because I know our time is up. I'm going to say a second one is I, I just love that our crew, like in the art department, they they would spend Fridays together again on Zoom, but they would all, they'd have like a drawing class together. Like we're going to draw this person's dog and they put a picture of the dog in the Zoom screen and then they'd all be drawing together. In that communal sketch. In that communal board, sketch. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just wonderful ways for people to, to come together. It's really great. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for chatting with me about your film and best of luck. Thank, thank you, you so you. much. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interviews with the star for The Magician's Elephant, Noah Jupe, director Wendy Rogers, producer Julia Pistor, and author Kate DiCamillo here on the Next Best Picture podcast. The Magician's Elephant is currently available to stream on Netflix, and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we will see you all next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, 
and the monsters from The Misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.